What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Stoop Life Podcast. Now, today, today is going to be... I I'm, I can't even talk because I'm so excited. I've been waiting for this episode. But, guys, we got you guys another episode of the Stoop Life Debates. We welcome back our man Steve Taylor coming in the ring. And we got a newcomer to the gauntlet. We got Rock St. Patrick coming in. Now... I'm going to take a side out here. I'm going to give it to Paul because I'm too excited to talk about what we're going to be debating about today. So, Paul, tell them what we're going to be debating about today because I feel like I just did a bunch of cocaine. I'm too excited. <laughs> oh, then you're perfect for this. Listen, we are going to be talking about the WWE right now. We are going full-fledged Taker versus Stone Cold, the two, arguably the two biggest names that, that came out of the Attitude Era at that. This is perfect. This is something different from basketball, football, boxing, MMA. This is great. I'm going to let y'all go at it, man. I want to hear some shit. I do want to point out the fact you're wearing a WrestleMania shirt, and Steve is wearing an Undertaker shirt. Rock, don't got none of it on. But, hey, I'm going to give you that. So, to give you guys an update, we got, obviously, Steve is taking Undertaker, and Rock is taking Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, we know how this goes. You know, it's a little bit different because it's, you know, it's quote-unquote fake, but it ain't fake. If you were in the 90s, you knew WWE was real. It's still real, yes. and I still do half these moves that these guys do today. I do it to my dog. I do it to my nieces. I do it all. <laughs> so, I mean. When you got kids, man. Listen, when you got kids, you do suplex them a couple of times. Trust me. They give them the rock <laughs> bottom, the stunner, the pile driver, all of them. And we're going to talk about all that shit today with these guys. So, we know how it is. So, Steve, as always, you were first into the room, as always. So, I'm going I'm to let you pick here, heads or tails. Steve was in there at 6.30 waiting for you. Who yeah, you I pulled in. He's in here. I was like, I said, I, seven, I said 7.20, so I knew he was in here at 7.15. So, I was like, all right, let me get in there. So, it's your call, Steve, heads or tails? Uh, we're going to go with tails. Go with tails. We got on the phone here. Boom! Always. So you guys know I'm not cheating. We got tails. We got tails on the phone. So it's your 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 take. Do you want to go first, or do you want to give the floor to Stone Cold Steve Austin? Uh, I mean he's in the dark, so I guess. You know what? He's already in the dark. Let's keep him in the dark. I think I'm gonna go first. Ooh! All right, let's hit it. I'm gonna go first. All right, so. <laughs> Where do I start? Uh, what I will say is that these are hands down, you know, not just two of my favorite, probably my two favorite guys, you know, ever. Um, highly influential, you know, just, you know, personifies greatness. But I think a lot of us, because, you know, obviously you guys did the poll. A lot of people just run with Stone Cold's popularity and think that is the end all be all to the art. They think it puts him above everybody, like, you know, guys like Carl Kogan, who were just super popular at their peak, The Rock, obviously, Taker, you know, HBK, guys like that. But I'm going to break down why, you know, as great as Stone Cold is, and I'm going to be honest with you, stuff I'm about to say, I'm probably going to think I'm, like, low-key hating or he's not my guy, he's my guy. Like, we got the same first name, like, highly relatable and stuff. But I think a lot of people never sat back and really took an honest and objective look about him as a wrestler or his career. So I'm going to show you why as great as he is, and I'm still putting him over just about everybody but Undertaker. 
you know, which is no disrespect to the Hulk Hogan's of the world. I think he's a little overrated. HBK, he just he won all the sales. He he demands the rock is the goat on the mic with the promos, and you know he he's just a you know a physical specimen. He was college athlete, but the reason why even putting some quote above all those guys, the reason why you don't put him over Taker, it's the first and most obvious thing. Everybody knows the Undertaker has the best gimmick. It's not even close. It's hands down. And there's actual statistics and things you can use to prove this. Like, you know, he's, they're wrestling magazines, which is not the end all be all. But they do vote on a lot of different things. No guy has won that gimmick more than the Undertaker. And this is how great his run was. He won it five straight uh, years, which five is the most anybody has ever won it. He won it five straight years from 1990 to 1994. And then after that, it just, he solidified. He's proved his point. We'll open up the field so other guys can get it. But we know, truth be told, 94 was really just the beginning of his prime. So he could have won it afterwards. But I guess they kind of capped it with, you know, the whole SummerSlam thing, the big undertaker. But hands down, he has the best gimmick. And part of the reason he has the gimmick is the look. You know, when you see his face, when you hear that 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 dong and that, that bell just is, it just does something. It sends chills down your spine. You could be a little kid and, and, and be ready to shit your pants, but it's like, it's so scary. It's so good. I can't take my eyes away, even though it completely creeps me out. And then if you're an adult, he's still an intimidating figure to other wrestlers behind the curtain, in the ring. You know, when you step into that ring with him, it's greatness personified. And part of the other things that made his, his gimmick so great which we can't say about Stone Cold, and it's not a knock, but he has a classic manager, just the name, Paul Bearer, what it means to the character, the earn, the look, their chemistry, everything about it made his gimmick top-notch, which is why the anticipation and the build-up for him was on a pay-per-view. He made his you know, debut on one of the WWE, I call it WWF, fuck it, WWE, because that's when it kind of got weak to me, so I'm always going to refer to it as WWF, but one of their big four pay-per-views was, you know, you got Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, which is like the Super Bowl, SummerSlam, and then Survivor Series. This character build up this mystery. Who is, you know, Ted DiBiase's uh, team? Who's the mystery partner? All of that build up. And then you see him. And then it's that, that, that classic music that they do. And then he's just like a monster. You can't hurt him. He gets in the ring. He does some bonehead stuff and, and uh, ends up, you know, eliminating himself. But... Uh, Right away from the first tombstone, from everything, his, his gimmick is top notch. Another thing you have to consider: not just his theme song and that music, but the whole Titan Tron. This is another thing; he's the best ever. When his music hits, the lights get dark, the smoke comes out right before he steps into the ring. Nobody has a complete and better Titan Tron. Down to the costumes he would wear at these big pay per views, he he checks all the boxes. And then here's the other thing: we can't say this about Stone Cold. Undertaker character is so great that you have another Hall of Fame spinoff character from his and Kane. Let's be honest. Stone Cold, as much as he is a, you know, he, he's a wizard on the mic. I think he's a little bit underrated and doesn't get enough credit for that. But let's be honest. He has a pretty basic gimmick. He hates his boss like most people, which is why he's relatable. He wants to drink beer and he wants to, you know, kick ass. Now, most people think they can fight in cancer. That's why they love him. They love to see him do stuff that they know they really actually can't do. But his gimmick is pretty basic. He couldn't even effectively heel turn. Once you, you know, the whole, his whole character is the, the pursuit of getting the belt, 
And if he has it or fighting people as the number one contender in his feud with Vince McMahon, once he joined forces with Vince McMahon on that heel turn at WrestleMania 17, which had, by the way, a pretty bad ending. Now, I think that was the best random WrestleMania ever. And that was a classic match with him and Rock. But the way it ended the whole, that whole thing, you know, played out in the end, I think it could have been better. But part of the reason it was bad is because we pretty much killed his character once you kind of make him join forces with Vince. And let's be honest, his, his his career never recovered after that. You know, part of it was getting older and injuries, but that bad uh, heel turn kind of like zapped him. We can't say that about Undertaker. You can spin off and have another Hall of Fame character you can have. Like you said, we know wrestling's not real or is it real, but that storyline of Kane and does he have a brother and, you know, the, uh, the funeral home getting burned to the ground and he's never seen his brother and then... Another classic match in the Hell in a Cell with HBK. He rips off the door. He's as big as Undertaker. Because you got to remember, guys back then, you only had a couple. Andre the Giant, Psycho Sid. You didn't have a bunch of big 7-foot, 300-pound dudes. And lo and behold, now you have somebody who is an effective character that we can spin off of this Hall of Fame character. And Stone Cold couldn't even affect a heel turn. You know, so how can we compare him and say that his, his greatness is better? We're not talking about peak popularity because, again, his peak popularity is almost unmatched. But once we get past that, everything that the whole attitude era encompassed, Undertaker was right there. Every main event, the first ever Monday Night Raw, who was the main event there? That would happen to be The Undertaker. He won the match, of course, but he set the bar for so many things. Stone Cold, back when Raw was first uh, you know, premiering, he was in WCW just trying to figure out the wrestling business and how to work a match and different stuff. Undertaker was already world champion, main eventer, a guy you just put in the ring with somebody we want to get them over. How many people, their career took new heights just by coming under his wing or having a classic match with him? Stone Cold, as great as he was, as popular as he was, show me a time where somebody really got uh, pushed over in the business by doing a match with him. It didn't happen. It was always somebody had to already be main event status to match him. And while we're talking about main events, and this is the last thing I'll say, then I'll pass it to Rock. Show me another person who has been more box office as far as pay-per-view special matches, anything you can think of in the entire 90s, Buried Alive, First Blood matches, Inferno, Hell in a Cell, Casket match, Undertaker's right there. You put him, again, you put him with a with another superstar or you put him with an up-and-coming guy and he takes it over. And then now all these guys are big main eventers, you know, guys that he helped push over that with mid-tier stars like Edge Christian, you know, even the Hardys, those guys were tag team guys. Once they started going solo, okay, even if Undertaker beats them, now we can raise their hand in this special match or a certain moment, and then, boom, he elevates guys. So, and then, of course, the streak. Stone Cold has nothing in his entire career. He went to his, his uh, main events that compares to the streak. I mean, there's just so many things, but I think that's enough for now. Rock, you could try to, you know, attempt to, to, to offset those things. All right. Here we go. And uh, I love your argument for The Undertaker. I have great respect for The Undertaker. As a kid growing up, when you watch wrestling, you watch it for a handful of people. Undertaker being one of them. So I'm going to give respect where respect's due. But now, let's get into the man of the hour. Okay. Stone Cold Steve Austin. When wrestling wasn't cool, when a group of people, because a lot of people watch wrestling, the old school timers, but like 
when Stone Cold came to the WWF and that whole Attitude Era, it brought new people in by the masses. Stone Cold, like you said, was a relatable guy. Everybody in that time, there's a lot of people in this world, all of us included, can say they wanted to punch their boss at one point in their life. <laughs> and being wrestling, a big thing about wrestling, which comes with Stone Cold, is entertainment. Where, yes, the Undertaker brings the darkness, the, the Titan Tron, but once that glass broke, you knew all hell was about to break loose. We all used to turn into wrestling on Mondays, Sundays, just to see what Stone Cold was going to do. The beer drinking. We all were, just, we're all just average guys wanting to go out there and whoop ass. And Stone Cold was that guy. Everybody could relate to Stone Cold. Everybody loved watching the McMahons get stunned. The Rock. <laughs> It's all all the entertainment, the people that went we talk about in the ring, brawler. Stone Cold bought that aggressiveness every match. There was not there wasn't a match where Stone Cold wasn't aggressive or he was on the weak side. He was always throwing punches. Very good technical wrestler. You didn't see Stone Cold do all the crazy moves off the top of the rope, snap mares, DDTs, spine busters, and iconically one of the best finishing moves ever. The stunner. Everybody in this chat right now has probably caught a stunner from a cousin, a brother, <laughs> and got the middle fingers after. There's probably a lot of kids in this in the world that probably got in trouble in the parents because all they wanted to do was throw up the middle fingers. A badass. <laughs> An anti-hero. We all love anti-hero. When you talk about influence on other characters, one of the biggest influence and people that he probably helped career. One of the biggest names in the world, one of the biggest movie stars in the world is now The Rock. A lot of people, the all the talking that The Rock did, Stone Cold was doing that. A master of the mic. Stone Cold could cut a promo. The most legendary promo ever cut, improvised, is when he beat Jake the Snake Roberts. And he said, you know, you can do all your Bible thumping and praying, and what did that get you? But Austin 316 just says, I whooped your ass. Legendary. Talking about iconic. Now, granted, The Undertaker has longevity. Yes. He wrestled for 30 years. The WrestleMania, uh, all the WrestleMania wins. Right? But when it comes to promos for and to WrestleMania, Stone Cold and The Rock, is probably the most legendary uh, three-match series we ever saw. Nobody that Undertaker ever beefed with was a bigger beef than The Rock and Stone Cold, or even Stone Cold and the McMahons. We never, all, we never saw Undertaker choke slam the whole McMahon family, but we saw <laughs> Stone Cold stun the whole McMahon family in the crowd. I would go wild. The, the popularity that Stone Cold had between 96 and you could say up to 2003, even though his popularity dropped when he switched heel, but he always come back with something. 
we all remember the what chant. Something so stupid becomes so iconic to the world. The Undertaker has been in the wrestle in the WWE longer than Stone Cold, but Stone Cold is the highest selling, uh, highest sellers of merchandise ever in the WWE, still to this day. And he stopped wrestling in 2003, 2004. When you, the memorable moments that you could remember on TV, when Stone Cold went into the supermarket and beat Booker T up, threw milk on him, hit him with a pizza. I remember growing up, going to the store with my friends, we were in the grocery store, I'd pick up a rack of lamb and hit him with something. Just because all Stone Cold Steve Austin did the Booker T. The, him showing up at the McMahon, and McMahon at the hospital. Beating him up dressed as a doctor or when he was the firefighter. Beating up McMahon again. So many things that you see that just repeated that everybody still loved. No matter if it just was repetitive or not. When you talk about Stone Cold, it's legendary. It's iconic. It's almost like you could say in the wrestling world, Jordan S. Yes, you got longevity. But from 92 to 98, I, I was bull. There was nobody greater. And you could also say that in wrestling, there's no more iconic than Stone Cold Steve Austin and from a short period of time. Like, he's just, it's just legendary. You can, he's still going on with his podcast. He's did movies. He's, he's done a little bit of everything. And everybody still loves Stone Cold. Respectable person. Great, great in the ring. Never really injured nobody. I mean, his career was cut short because of injuries, a broken neck. Knees going bad. The when he was in the sharpshooter, he passed out himself from the pain and didn't give up. Like this is the guy we're kind of talking about. Oh, and sorry, he lost. No, I'm saying that was a great moment, but he still lost. He lost. Imagine being in your first two or three. Can you not win in the loss? And already, is there not lessons won in the loss? Listen, at the end of the day, I hear all of what you're saying, but... I yeah, but you still got a champion's welcome on the way out. That says something. Go ahead. I mean, the loser of the Super Bowl gets a conference championship ring, too, but most people don't know that because they don't celebrate it because losing doesn't get celebrated. So I just want to address a couple of things. I think you said that to me. I'm not going to lie. They were completely ridiculous. Stone Cold <laughs> was not used to get the rock over because before... Stone Cold even really caught his stride in WWF. Rock was already making a name for himself. He's a third-generation superstar. His grandfather was a wrestler. His dad, Rocky Johnson, was was a champion and had an iconic tag team that he was a part of. So he came in as the third-generation superstar, and they were kind of overselling him a little bit. Once they kind of pulled back, let him do his own thing, and then because he was so great on the mic, and he kind of, in a sense, became the anti-hero where they're chanting Rocky stuff, and then they switch, and then they love him, and then it's just Rocky, Rocky, and then eventually he wins his first uh, championship at uh, uh, Survivor Series 98. Rock was a superstar and legendary and already had classic matches. He already okay. had right. Intercontinental I, I, title run, classic uh, rivalry with Triple H. So that that's just completely wrong. You're trying you're trying your best to build Stone Cold up because you have to go off short term. No, but listen, that's listen, all you I have to work point, with. But you also got to remember that the the the, 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 the biggest reason he lost are staged. Are staged. 
And so that actually further makes the point, bro. He's so popular. He's so this, he's that. This is our Super Bowl. And we get to actually determine the outcome and we still make him lose. Explain that. How does that doesn't make any sense? Because Stone Cold was on his way out. The last match with The Rock. He, did, he, did he lose because Stone Cold said so? Yeah, Vince, just tell me to lose and I'm trying to mention. Stone Cold won the first two matches at WrestleMania against The Rock. Did he not? We're not talking about The Rock. We're talking about his classic match with uh, with Bret Hart. The one that you brought up. Yeah. And speaking of which, let me tell you a story because maybe you didn't know this. So, and this is this why the, the, even though sports entertainment is entertainment, the gamesmanship, part of the gamesmanship, Undertaker was always, he always understood the assignment. He was always prepared. The first match, and I'm very pissed off about this because I was supposed to be at WrestleMania 15, but that's a whole nother story. That was in Philly. Long story short, a, a bunch of my homies was going. My mom knew the one homie better than the other. Something happened where the, it, we didn't go, and I was supposed to be there. But had I been there, I would have been a little bit disappointed, and here's why. Under, uh, uh, Stone Cold talked about how, I don't know if he was going through a divorce, he just had an argument in his way, whatever the case may be, he was getting into something. Upon him doing that, he's supposed to be packing and getting his stuff ready for the Super Bowl of the WWF, which is WrestleMania, the first time he's fighting The Rock in a main event for a, a major title, right? And he doesn't pack everything in his suitcase, so instead of him coming out there decked out with the best, this is WrestleMania, it's in a bit, it's in a big market, a big city in Philly, he comes out there with a funky t-shirt, and not even the classic Austin 316 shirt, it's some ran random rattlesnake shirt that nobody remembers or knows because it wasn't iconic and this was an iconic moment and just that make coming to the ring in your best being ready for their super bowl doing undertaker never he never did that every time he had a wrestlemania entrance this was classic when you had the druids when you had the firebone he had the stuff he had his his lord of darkness stuff on he always understood the assignment and made sure that Fans got their money's worth, and he 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 was very technical about everything that he did down to the T. This is little things that maybe in the grand scheme of him being a wrestler may not be the biggest thing, but he never missed. That's the key. He always had consistency. He always was able, and, he, and his character evolved. It isn't like he just had to remember to bring his one little vest, and he has the same team for 20 years. He has, you know, he, he went from a dead man with this look, then he took it to you know, the mid-90s, then he had the Lord of Darkness look, then he's the American badass, then he's big people, then he's just a phenom. He always had evolution with his character, but he never said, oh, you know what? I didn't, you know, switch my character up a little bit. Oops, I forgot something, and now I don't complete the look. He never did that. So what you're telling me is you fought Stone Cold or a one uniform incident? No, what I'm saying is, at the end of the day, when you understand the assignment... It wasn't like he missed it on a random Monday night. We're talking about WrestleMania. We're talking about this is the granddaddy of them all. They're building you up. You're about to win the championship. The other guy's coming out doing his thing. Everybody, Undertaker was undercard that year. He just fought Big Boss. But he didn't look and say, hey, I'm not fighting the, the, the A-plus wrestler. Let me forget my costume. Let me tell Paul Bearer to, you know, you know, not bring the urn or something like that. He always was on point and on target. And what I'm saying is, this is one example, but there's times that Stone Cold wasn't at his best and people overlooked it just because they liked him. That's my bottom line. Well, looks like we lost him. I think he uh, 
He got stunned. Yo, I'm just going to tell you to keep going. Oh, here he is. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, so I had a little. Uh, no. Did, did hey, listen, technical difficulties happen. We, we, we want you to respond to everything. It's all good. Started right. Technical difficulties. Just like uh, Stone Cold and. Right. I understand what you're saying, right? But that's one thing on a scale, right? We don't fault Jordan for not being the best three point shooter. Right? No, we don't. Like, Yes, when it comes to WrestleMania, Undertaker got that. I never said that. I never said. I never said that he didn't have it. When it came to WrestleMania on the stage, the man done. I, I can't tell you what almost twenty plus WrestleManias to Stone Cold seven. Yes, yeah. in that category, the under. Undertaker, right? I mean, this is the thing. If Ray Stone Cold was, how come he? Is a, this is the thing. So, this is the thing. So, takes that when it comes well, to when, even like I said, the Undertaker has a better entrance, but that glass break is a little bit more iconic than that. Be- that's equal level. You're crazy. That bong and the glass break is equal level. You can't really say one's above the other, which I would say, like, at the end of the day, if you pick one or the other, that's favoritism, but they're on the same level. So to say one completely dominates the other, that, that's ridiculous. But another thing that I'm taking into consideration that you said, and since you brought it up earlier, I'm going to address it. You tried to talk up Stone Cold's in-ring performance. Let's be honest. He's not a bad in-ring performer. Let's not get that confused. However, he's not as good as you're making him out to be. He has four moves. His finishing move, the stunner, the little thing where he's trying to stomp a more huddle on you in the corner, the little thing where he jumps on you and he's hitting you, and after he does that, he does the little thing in the elbow. He's got four moves. That's it. Undertaker, we obviously got the tombstone. Then when he switches finisher to the American Badge, you got the last ride, you got the choke slam, you got old school when he walks the tight rope, you got the iconic leg drop on the outside of the turnbuckle, a lot better than Hulk Hogan's weak leg drop. That's the whole other thing. You got the suicide dive, you got the flying clothesline, like the list goes on and on. Even later in his career, where he's adding different things, you got Hell's Gate. He has a submission. Who saw that coming, right? And he's a 300-pound dude. And oh, by the way, him being a 330-pound dude, he's what, like 75, 80 pounds better than Stone Cold. He has more agility. He's able to do stuff Stone Cold just can't do. So even if you're just talking strictly in-ring performance, it's not even close, bro. Undertaker is head and shoulders better. And he set the ball for other super heavyweights to say, oh, no, I agree. can't just be the big slow guy. You have to actually have agility and have moves and be able to work a match and rock a crowd. He set the bar for not just the superstars, but super heavyweights as well. No, I agree there. I agree there. Also, we can also say that when it comes to like the real aggressive style wrestling. When Stone Cold was a really aggressive wrestler. Yes, he had basic moves, but he was a, the aggressiveness that he bought with his moves. 
You can see that in the progression in the in the WWF of people getting way more aggressive, like in their moves. His aggressiveness actually ruined matches. And I'm going to give you a perfect example. This, so most people would agree the best match between The Undertaker and Stone Cold, both at their peaks, storylines amazing. You have this quote-unquote highway to hell buildup with the soundtrack and all that, SummerSlam 98. Most people would say that is their best match together. It's just the most complete. The WWF Championship was on the line. And albeit Stone Cold did win, but here's the thing. Him being aggressive in that match, and timing and an ending performance not being, you know, A on that A level, but maybe C plus. Undertaker is working um a move and Stone Cold being the, the aggressive little, you know, hothead that he is sometimes, he crashes the Undertaker. Undertaker comes up because they miss time and he gets headbutt. And Stone Cold to this day will say he thought that match could have been better because he was knocked out cold and unconscious and the ref had to help him long all because of a missed time, all because, like I said, he's a little bit of a, um, not terrible, but he's a little bit of an underwhelming in-ring performer, and that aggressiveness could have potentially ruined the main event of a pay-per-view, but because you have somebody, the caliber of an undertaker who's just better in-ring anyway, he can carry the match and do stuff. Like, everything we remember from that match, it was Undertaker. It was the choke slam from over the top rope and bringing him back in. It was that crazy leg drop he did from the top turnbuckle through the table, and the table didn't give as much as it should. But all of the highlights, for the most part, outside of the Thunder and Stone Cold retaining the belt, was due to Undertaker. This was a great pay-per-view. This was still a classic match, but it could have been ruined by that had he not been there with a skilled veteran. So this is all of the points you're saying is just you're trying to like sweep the main things under the rug and just trying to oversell his greatness in ring. It's just not true. Right. I can say I get lost in that category as in ring performer. But we on and that's a that's one part of wrestling, right? But the entertainment side, you can't not you cannot say that doesn't go to Stone Cold. Promos cut. Listen, at the, I think Undertaker has Undertaker has limitations with promo just because of his character. He's monotone. He's the big Lord of Darkness. He's here to steal your soul, and you know he's building a casket. He's talking with Paul Bearer. Those are great for what it was, but just because of the character in and of itself, it was going to have its limitations. He literally maxed out and did as best as you could with a given role like that. And he's had to do it for 30 years. So think about how good he actually had to be to have something that's so monotone, so predictable in his own right work, but he could still evolve the character. This is something that, you know, everybody would not have been able to successfully pull off. Like Vince McMahon actually came up with the character of The Undertaker and Mark Calloway, the guy who actually is The Undertaker, was the only one who could effectively pull it off. Okay. All right. So let me say this with the with the gimmick, right? And do people love the like so, so the Stone Cold gimmick, right? From let's just say from '96, let's just say '96 to 2002, '96 to 2002, everybody loved it probably just as much as Takers. I'll give you more. So '96, that wasn't because uh, you still had Prime HBK, you still had Undertaker on his top. He kind of, co- like, the Austin 316 helped to boost him, but he really wasn't main event. I would say he was, like, if we're grading him by tiers, 
he was probably like a, a tier two superstar versus a tier one and really main uh, main event guy uh, every pay-per-view or most of the time. He was on the come up, but I would really say his true run was 98 to 01. He really got like out of that six years, three is really his true, like true peak during that time. 96, 97. Well, was, 97 was, is when Stone Cold started to take off. Like that, like that's right. But when he I'm saying like, 96, this. and it took one year. Right, okay. right go ahead. No, what I'm saying is, you're right about that. 97 is where he started to balloon. What I'm saying is, you don't compare 1997 Stone Cold to say 1999 and say they're on equal level. That 97 Stone Cold was clearly on a different level, whereas though 98, 99, 2000, 01, I would say was like that same level. And then after 01 is when it started to tail off. But here's the thing. It took him a year and some change before he actually started to blossom. He still wasn't technically... Number t uh, you know, tier one superstar, guaranteed main eventer. Undertaker had already in less like a, exactly a year to date. He debuts in um, Survivor Series ninety, Survivor Series ninety one. He beats Hulk Hogan, who was the Stone Cold of his time as far as popularity and being that 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 main, um, you know, not the uh, the baby face. Right, he was already a veteran. No, no, no. But wait, I'm. I'm Let's not get it confused. I'm comparing Undertaker's first long year time. He was already a veteran, but what I'm saying is Stone Stone Cold in year one, from whenever he debuted in '96 to '97, he was not a number one tier one superstar yet. In less than a year, Undertaker already rose to it. So exactly a year on the date, he's the champion, and he beats the Stone Cold of the time with popularity. The equivalent of Stone Cold doing that. He would have had to beat somebody like Taker, Bret Hart, or Shawn Michaels at a WrestleMania. He wasn't there yet. So we're not comparing the years. We're comparing Taker's year one to Stone Cold's year one. And Taker's year one, he was already a superstar. He already was winning best gimmick. He was no, you can't do that, though. You got to compare. The, so from I'm saying from this is what he I'm did saying. it in the more 97. He did it in the era, too. Look at the era. Look at the era. The very, yes. Right. But that was what I'm saying, right? I'm, I'm going to put it like this. Right, I'm saying from from let's just say you can say from we'll say you can say 98 to 2001, 97 to 2001, in that sh short amount of time, he became a legendary, legendary. Right, Undertaker's legendary, okay. but in this short amount of time, Stone Cold was the face. He was the guy, even as like I said from 97, it's still up and coming in that like that Stone Cold role. It took over. It took the. It took wrestling to new heights. Can I ask you something? It took, real it, quick took it to new heights. Ninety-seven. You keep bringing up ninety-seven, and that really wasn't one of Stone Cold's best years. So, if Stone Cold is the guy you say he is in ninety-seven. He actually, do you remember this? He had a championship match against Undertaker, and he lost. If he's everything you said in ninety-seven is equal to ninety-eight, ninety-nine, two thousand, why didn't he beat him in that title match? Which was his first shot at the belt. Undertaker was I'm not actually, talking about. I'm not talking about. Listen, I'm not Undertaker talking about. Undertaker helped wrestling. put Stone Cold. He gave him his first title match. He gave him his first WWE title right. match. Right. Why didn't he beat him? There? What I'm saying in right, I'm, I'm, we're, we're going give it. We're not going in ring. Okay. Right. We're not going as far as. Okay. Right. Because the Undertaker's been in the 
in wrestling for 30 years, right, was changed the wrestling world. Did it not? So uh, this is what I always do when people say stuff. You got to explain yourself. When you say change the wrestling world, how did he do it? What was the way he changed it? Because Undertaker changed it with the special events. Are we still having Hell in the Cells and all these special event matches? Like, he was the pioneer for stuff that's still going on to this day. What is exactly right. the Stone Cold? The drawing the crowd. You're finding, a bunch of, you're finding a bunch of similar, the same ways to say popularity. Everything you're saying is summed up with one thing, popularity. We stick his face on a WWF ice cream and sells. We print out an Austin 316 shirt itself. It's cool. You're saying one point. It's popularity. So what exactly did he do to change? What did he do to shake up the industry to add something new? I'm not hearing that. His whole persona. You can't say you can't. We, we all okay, see he was, we all he was an original him. character. He was an original character that was relatable and people liked it. So he was popular. We got that part. Just like Drake is popular, is he? Does that mean he's the best spitter because he's popular because he got a bunch of streams? No, because when we put him on songs with other heavyweights, sometimes he gets the upper hand and sometimes he gets washed. That doesn't mean he's the best because he's the most popular. Like Cole was a lot. Cole, okay. Cole was a right, better spitter. He's a better rapper than Drake. Drake makes a bunch of hits. Put Cole and put Drake on a track, and I'm, I'm willing to bet the house Cole is going to wash him on a verse. Drake's going to do his okay. part. He's going to deliver. Right. So we can he's say going to, he's not going to. He's not going to have the upper hand on Cole. This is the same thing. So we could say, right? We could say Stone Cold and The Undertaker are two of the greatest ever. Correct? Mount Rushmore, lock, lock. Right, right. Okay. So let me put it like this: uh, a lot of people will say, myself included, that Biggie Smalls is the best rapper ever. And he's only got two albums. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Stone Cold short span is just as great as a 30-year span. Can we not say he's the greatest? So here's the thing, because I, I like the Biggie analogy, but I'm a big Biggie fan. He to me is definitely the go, but here's the thing which you have to keep in mind, right? And this is why I think the comparison is a little bit off. Even though Biggie dropped two solo LPs. That wasn't his only music. He had a ton of features. Obviously, he carried Junior Mafia's first album, which is another classic. So I throw that under his catalog. And then the same thing, No Way Out, even though it was a bad boy collective album, we know who carried it, especially on a lot of the major singles. So, I'm, and I'm not trying to be biased, but I'm just saying, keep in mind, Life After Death was a double disc album. So it wasn't like that was just a regular, say, 10 or 12 song album. That was 20 plus songs. So you can count it as one or two albums if you like. Which, but it's, it's a super classic. We know Ready to Die is a classic. The Junior Mafia album is a classic. And he had heavy influence on another album. So it's not like he just made two albums and say, oh, we have is 20 songs. But these are like 20 elite songs. He actually, and then on top of that, we even get to his features and stuff. If you start looking at the features, freestyle, he put out a lot in a short amount of time. And it stood the test of time. But it's not like he had just 30 songs to pick from. And that was it. So that's why I think the comparison's a little bit off because yeah, short Stone Cold had a shorter run, and and I, I don't want to sound unfair. I don't want to you know blame him for anything. But let's if we really want to just get like brutally honest, 
Owen Hart fucked up. Bottom line. Yes. It was an accident. It wasn't supposed to happen. But part of the reason it did happen is because, like you said, Stone Cold doesn't do all these fancy stunts. The way that that move happened was it was a reversal and then somebody and then the reversal of the reversal. So Owen Hart was expected to pretty much carry the highlight of the match. And Stone Cold and him had a conversation where he was saying, hey, you know what? I'm used to getting the power driver on the knees. Are you going to do it on the knees? Owen said, no, I'm going to do a sitting one because he had to, you know, carry the body weight and all of this stuff and, and, and was forced to be the one who brought that epic, uh, you know, highlight to life. And because of that, Stone Cold just didn't question it because of his, I guess, lack of in-ring ability. And I, like I said, again, I don't want to sound like I'm blaming him. I'm trying to throw him under the bus. He's still one of my favorite just people. And I and and, and, and it hurt me as a child to see. I might never get to see one of my favorite wrestlers. One of my favorite wrestlers. Being brutally honest, the reason, that was the result of his lack of in-ring performance and other people having to step up and, and kind of like take the brunt of the weight to pull the move off. Because you could have just said, you know what? I'm not comfortable taking the power driver sitting down. Let's not do that. Or if we're going to do it, it has to be this way. Or we're just going to find another way to do it. He didn't do that. He was expected for somebody else to carry it. And then the worst of the worst happened. Yeah, and like I said, he got in his career it was cut short due to injury. You can say the Bret Hart sharpshooter with the knees, and you can say the Owen Hart. But in the Owen Hart thing, if you watch Stone Cold interview, just like you said, if you watch the video, you can see clearly that Stone Cold head and he ain't catch the between the thighs. Man, he took the full brunt of that. Yeah, his head was below his um his hammy. You can see it. Yeah. And but like, again, I'm not I'm not trying to blame him for that. But again, when you are not you're an elite athlete from the standpoint of conditioning and stuff, and you can pull off moves, but you're expected to depend on somebody else for something that serious, and the worst of the worst comes out of that. I'm not saying the Stone Cold's fault. What I'm saying is this: at the end of the day, because we know wrestling is scripted, and that was something that was expected to be this big draw, and it's a reversal of reversal. Because no offense. Undertaker and Kane pulled that off in WrestleMania 14. Undertaker, you know, they, they wanted to really play up that storyline of Undertaker's never going to fight his... First of all, his brother's real. Then he's not going to fight his brother. Kane's just... I thought Kane was at your house. It gets dark, and then we don't know what's happening. You know, Kane's there coming out, whooping everybody's ass until no superstars are left but the Undertaker. But in the same thing, in a WrestleMania, which is their version of a Super Bowl, and you didn't know... You know, the streak wasn't even a big deal Undertaker's just so great. We didn't even know it was a streak until he got to about like 10 or 11. And they were like, wait a second, you know what? He's never lost at WrestleMania. And then now it became a thing. But in the midst of all of that, there was a moment where Kane, they're playing him up because the man Glenn Jacobs is he's he's a strong SOB. And they wanted to play the reversal of he's overpowering Undertaker. So Undertaker's doing his thing. And they were Kane reversed it on him and gave him the tombstone. And these are two 330-pound guys. So all that flipping and doing stuff mid-air is actually harder to pull off, and they still did not injure each other because, again, the in-ring performance is at the highest level. So I'm not saying, again, don't blame Stone Cold for the injury, but you have to take accountability, know your limitations, and say, you know what? We or I actually can't pull this off, so maybe it's not a good idea to do this. Stone Cold didn't do that because he just, you know, just went with the flow, which is cool, 
But look what it did. It cost him his career. And now he's a human being. That's still an injury. Now that he's, you know, well, he's in his 50s now, I'm sure it hurts a lot more now than it did then even when he was wrestling and taking hits. This was a serious thing that could have been avoided. Right. Okay. But uh, you could say that also makes one of the best comeback stories of wrestling. I broke my neck and I'm still here. Right. So why didn't he win at so WrestleMania? Another thing that, that I, would have been I'm going to go. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to take a side. Okay. I want to ask a question here because, like I said, there's no in this debate. There's no way that I can prove that Stone Cold was a better wrestler compared to the Undertaker, right? But I want to ask you a question from the Undertaker side. What's what is one of the Undertaker's most iconic WWE moments? I mean, which one do you want me to pick from? There's so many. Like every time he does the, TV I just want you shows, to pick. I want you to pick. I, when, when it comes to when it comes to mind, when it comes to mind, right? And you got to think of the best. Let's just say moment that happened in an Undertaker storyline or a, a a match, right? What's the best moment? Uh, I would say the one that's going to stick out is uh, probably throwing mankind off the top of the hell in a cell. That's very iconic, right? One of, can we say, and I'm going to point this out and ask up a question, defend if you want, but can we say one of the most iconic moments of the time for Stone Cold when ECW pulled up to the WWE, came in, and started whooping everybody's ass. Then all of a sudden, Stone Cold comes in, and takes out the whole ECW until we get in the ring. Now, if we remember, I'm throwing a little shot here. Undertaker was in the ring getting his ass kicked until Stone Cold showed up. But that moment in wrestling, in in in, in wrestling, is probably one of the most iconic moments in the WWE. Would you say that? that- right, I'm, I'm gonna ask you something because I, I don't know this off the top of my head, and I should know it. How old are you? Um, I'm 30. Okay, so you're a little bit younger than me. That's what it is. Because that moment happened in 01, I think. I was a little bit older. We weren't moved by it as much as you. I think that was just part of you being a little bit younger and, and a little bit more captivated. Easily, if you want to talk Stone Cold, I mean, you should know this is the guy you're picking. Hands down, a bigger, more iconic moment than that was the beer truck. You can pick any one of them. But I would say specifically the one right before WrestleMania 15, he's spraying the rock. Uh, Shane and Vince are in the ring. That's hands down a lot more iconic than that. It's not like that's not even close. You can even talk about when he poured the cement in the Corvette. These things compare like that little shit you talking about. That's very mid, bro. I'm sorry. Very mid. And let's be honest. The thing that put WWF over the top, Eric Bischoff admitted this out of his own mouth. The thing where he said the Monday night um, uh, battle, the wars are over. Um, the pay-per-view battles are over was when that Hell in a Cell match happened, which, oh, by the way, Undertaker was not the main event. Stone Cold was the main event with Kane. And we can all agree, hands down, as a main event, you didn't follow that up. 
Like that Hell in a Cell Mankind vs. Taker is not only just the best match of that year, not just the best match probably in Taker's career, that's probably the GOAT match, period. That ended the wars between all these things. So the merger happens because these other federations lost to WWE and then comes back in. So you bring up a point about Stone Cold doing the same whoop-ass drink beer thing after the wars are over. I'm sorry, bro. That That's not even as iconic as you're thinking. If you talk to anybody between the ages, we'll say, of like, 30 to 40, that might not come up in 10 moments between the 90s and the early 2000s. Well, That's not coming up right away. Nobody cares about I just, that. I just want to... Matter of fact, more iconic movies that year is Undertaker chokes on Rikishi off the hell in the cell. That's more iconic from the same year. Hold on. I want to go back to one of your point in the beginning when you used Eric okay. Bishop as not a credible source for when you mentioned Stone Cold. Eric Bishop never thought Stone Cold was going to make it at all. That's why he fired him from the WCW. That was his loss because Undertaker was there before him too. That was his loss. So I don't think, but like, I hear what you're saying, but that's one of the most like bro, bro, that's, Stone Cold's that's iconic argument. moments are, are Stone Cold's iconic moments. Anything what you said with the beer truck outweighs anything okay. that's in a, in a match in the ring. Besides your one point, the Throwing mankind off the top of the cell is probably one of the most iconic moments of wrestling. Period. But but here's Stone the Cold thing. has so, more me- not, the Stone Cold has more memorable know. moments. More memorable. I, I don't know about that because here's the thing: the whole entire street got played up in WrestleMania. Not to say every single WrestleMania was an iconic moment, but um, who saw the Undertaker winning? Um, a handicap match. Who was like Big Show and some other big dude that I forget. Um, he had a handicap match. Nobody saw that coming. Once, like I said, Kane put the reversal on Undertaker and he kicked out of the tombstone, which nobody had done at that time because Kane was just brutalizing everybody. That was just him fighting was an iconic moment. Kane's debut because he's a Hall of Fame character that you can spin off of the Undertaker ripping out the door in the first Hell in a Cell moment. That's an iconic moment. Even when Shawn Michaels, he stepped on his hand and he fell through the table in the same match. That's an iconic moment. Obviously, mankind, that entire match. You can go back to 94 with his rivalry for Yokozuna and the casket match. He's got like 15 wrestlers coming to fight him. And then he kind of shoots through the sky and does this little weird ascension thing. Like, this, what are you talking about? I mean, hit that view is one of the most iconic things. The mystery partner, and they're talking him up and he doesn't flinch. And they're like, who's this big dude? And you can't hurt him. Just him getting hit in the match, and he sets up like, who? Name another wrestler. Like, Undertaker is so iconic in everything he does. He had a signature way to pin you. He would hit you, drop you in your head like you were a dead person, which is called the tombstone. And then he gives you a rest in peace pin that you don't kick out of because he's crossing your arms and he's holding out. And then he does the signature eye roll. Like, like everything he does is iconic. Man, what are you talking about? Man, the middle finger is way bigger than the eye roll. And this There's is more the people thing doing too. the middle the I'm going to show you something right here because this is what makes Undertaker so great. He never, ever, ever broke character. If you saw him in public, he would still look like the Undertaker. Anything in match or backstage or whatever, he always did that. And I'm going to show you something. So everybody, like all the sports fans will remember the no flinch moment with Kobe, right? Where Matt Barnes was on the baseline. He faked throwing the ball in his face. And it was iconic. Kobe's tough. He's mentally tough. All these different things. No flinch, right? So before Kobe did that, Undertaker had a no flinch moment. Do you remember this? I can't see. For some reason, I can't see your screen. 
Everything on my screen is like locked. You hear what you hear what Shawn Michaels said? Because this, this was first off the Undertaker when he uh you know disguised this king and he just wanted another one contender. Shawn Michaels said it doesn't matter who you are, Stone Cold included, because he had the belt. He said he's always the number one contender. And the thing is, the reason why I brought that up is there was an accident right there. So Undertaker's doing his signature ring thing. He's lifting his arms up, and it's supposed to be like you know the explosion, and then the lights change. They accidentally had Kane's little fire thing, and in the midst of him doing, which was completely unexpected, fire is blowing in your face. He just calmly moves to the side. That's his no flinch moment. He steps into the ring. That's something you can't teach. Just to, just to always be in the zone, always in character, never break that. That's something you can't teach. And even you admit, they say Stone Cold's the toughest SOB. Let him have been doing his Stone Cold thing in the ring, and that popped up. I'm sure he would have jumped down like he was getting shot. And it was it was running for cover. That's something you can't teach. That's something that's just iconic in and of itself. He never breaks character. I don't think you can say that because you can resort back to the Owen. Oh, uh, the Wait, you said you didn't see it. Do I, do I play, you, you don't think you can say it. I got to play it again so you can see it. This man just had a whole thing of fire jump in front of his face, and he didn't even do as much as flinch. <laughs> what are you talking about? You might have to watch this on the playback, bro, so you can see that. Or I, 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 uh, you know, I text the link so you can watch that. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't see it, so I can't. Set the point, but I get your point. It's not breaking okay. character. So, but they're two. They're two. When people talk about Undertaker and Stone Cold, the word "tough" is always used. So you can't well, say, you, you can say they're both. Go ahead. I'm going I'm to I'm address something else you said. Because, um, you know, obviously Stone Cold is tough and different things. And you always talked about, like, the badass and all this stuff. Here's the thing, though. Here's a fun fact for you as well. So when Stone Cold was getting ready to fight HBK at WrestleMania 13 to win the belt, HBK, he was always known to be a little bit cocky. He was good friends with, like, you know, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and stuff. So they're in his ear about trying to get him over to WCW. He's the champ. He's real cocky. He's feeling himself. Now, he did injure his back in that casket match at a Royal Rumble taker. So he was going to be on medical leave at some point anyway. And they figured, hey, Stone Cold's finally building up to this main event guy. We're going to have him headline WrestleMania because they obviously chose him to win the Royal Rumble and everything. And the thing about it is HBK was not so uh, – he was, let's just say he was a little reluctant to want to lose the title to Stone Cold, period, especially on, you know, their Super Bowl at, at WrestleMania. And you know who it was that made sure it happened? It was none other than The Undertaker because aside from the in-ring stuff, since you don't want to talk about in-ring performance, that's cool. We know that's a wash. Let's talk about actual toughness in fighting. Undertaker is 6'10 in his prime, 3'30. He can and will whoop your ass. And the thing about it is when Shawn Michaels said he wasn't ready to, you know, turn over the belt and he, you know, he might essentially sabotage the match, which would be the WrestleMania main event, Undertaker pretty much taped up his fist backstage and said, Shawn, you're going to do the right thing and you're going to carry and, and put him over or I'm going to whoop your ass. 
in real life. Not in no match, not nothing. You're already going to be on medical leave. I kind of fucked you up by accident in the match. Now I'm going to make sure you're out and you're not even going to have a say in this. And that was Undertaker. That was not Stone Cold. He wasn't the toughest SOB then. He didn't have enough pull then. Speaking of which, the Undertaker, not Stone Cold, is the most respected guy in the locker room, bar none, hands down. And the ultimate proof of that is there's this thing called wrestler's court where if there's issues. Vince basically kind of has like a peer editing thing and Taker's the judge. Why? Because one, he had the most respect. Two, he could actually whoop your ass. But three, and most importantly, along with that respect, he was somebody that everybody looked at as objective and fair. So he wouldn't, you know, do harsh things like actually, you know, beat people up all the time. But you'd have to buy cases of beer. You have to do certain stuff. And people went to him. Everybody unanimously said he's the guy. And he's going to be the one who's trusted to settle issues among peers. It wasn't Stone Cold. So you can talk all this popularity, all this stuff. But in actuality, he kind of rubbed some people the wrong way because he started. He wasn't as bad as HBK with being cocky. But behind closed doors, you know, he wasn't the guy everybody essentially respected from the standpoint of the person. They respected his character and different things as far as what he did for the business and drawing and money. But they didn't think he could actually be fair and objective in settling disputes. So he wasn't the guy that was um, trusted to do that. Undertaker always was. To your point, fair point. But when you're the guy of longevity and you're the guy guy that's been around for, what's it say, 15 years, and you happen to come across a good guy such as Undertaker, it's At that almost, point, it was only about five to I want to say an irrelevant 15, point. 15 years is the mid-2000s. We're talking the 90s, bro. It wasn't 15 years in the 90s. He came in in 1990 when it was Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior. You still had Flair. You still had Macho Man. There was a bunch of guys. Like, he came in and was basically not just the... Imagine you're the rookie of the year, but you're also the champion at the end of the year. That's what Undertaker did. So I get what you're trying to make the longevity argument where it doesn't stick right here. We're not talking about in 2005 where you've got guys like John Cena and those guys are starting to be headlined. We're talking mid-90s, around the time, the 96, the 97, the 98. He was the guy. He was he was only been at that point. It was less than ten years, so they were pretty much on the same level. Especially since you're saying Stone Cold had reached popularities and heights nobody else did. So this is not the time to make the longevity argument because that, that has nothing to do with longevity here. Right, but but I'm saying that fact that you're bringing up. That's all I bring up is facts, man. Right, right, okay. So I understand, right? I get, I get that. But the only thing you, the, the cinematic points of wrestling, right? Of the promos of, of, of shit happening. Stone Cold is the pie off screen events that took wrestling to a new level with the cinematics and the storylines and just, more than just being in the ring and wrestling. That greatness is shot wrestling to the roof. Yes, The Undertaker is great. He, he bought fans, but he but in the other side of wrestling, you gotta fill the seats. You gotta bring in you gotta sell pay-per-views. 
that that's not true. And I'm gonna tell you why that's not true. In the Monday night wars, you had WCW with Nitro, you had WWF with Raw. They were battling for viewership, which is how you get sponsors and you make money, and that was ultimately how you sold your pay-per-views. Selling out the arenas was nice and that was cool, but you didn't if you didn't say you didn't sell out a Sunday night heat, that didn't matter as much as say not selling out uh, a Royal Rumble. So all of that stuff was always every week was to build up the main pay-per-view, and then within each month you had something, but then you had the big four of pay-per-views. So at the end of the day, you had to filling the seats was great, but you, what you wanted to do is you went to sell the pay-per-views because if you're selling that, you get the viewership at home. And you're selling out the arena, then now you can sell the merch and stuff. So everything was a push to that point. You're telling me selling out some random Monday Night Raw in Kentucky is just going to do it. I'm sorry, that's not it. Well, he didn't just sell out Monday nights. He sold out. He sold out pay per views. Arguably, you could say, and you could, as fact, that Stone Cold is part of the top 15 greatest matches in wrestling ever. So I'm gonna ask you this then, because I, I strongly disagree with that. Um, who is it? so? And this is part. You know, people can like who they like. Who would you say is a you know better, more popular wrestler? All these things that we're talking about, right? Is it Mick Foley or is it The Rock? It's The Rock. It's The Rock, hands down, right? Yes. Okay. So with that being said, show me. You talk about this 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 big three of matches with uh, with uh, The Rock and Stone Cold. Show me one match that he has that is on the level or surpasses the Hell in a Cell with Mankind. There isn't one. Even if you want to go back to 96 with the Buried Alive match with Mankind, there's not a good one as that. Go to the other one. I think it was like a SummerSlam when uh, Paul Bearer turned on The Undertaker and started managing Mankind, and they had Paul Bearer hanging above the ring. And there's was, more, yeah, there might not be one, but there's... Right, but what I'm saying is he... If you really, so I was going to save this for later, but since you brought it, I'm going to address it now. Stone Cold, as great as he is, and you would even, like you just said, you would agree, The Rock is a bigger name, it's a bigger draw. He fought him at WrestleMania. He still doesn't have a match that compares to another superstar who's, who's not quite as good, but still a legend in his own right in mankind. And he's so popular. He had a, a WrestleMania uh, main event against HBK. That wasn't on that level. He has all these matches with The Rock. That wasn't on that level. He even had matches. Right, you could say on the wrestling level, but on the one. entertainment level, Stone Cold's pay-per-view sales outsell the, the Undertaker. That's not necessarily true. And I'm going to give you a because fact on that. Because Stone Cold right? was a bigger draw, though. Again, we're using popular. You, you're hanging on the one point to hold the debate. You gotta have to. You gotta come with a stronger point than this. You, you, you talking too heavy. But I'm saying, but pay per view one. includes all the series, though. The pay per view. Yeah, but guess what? Pay per view is. I'm gonna, is I'm gonna show you series. something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you something, right? So, you know what the highest rated segment on you know any we'll just say regular event was? We can include Sunday Night Heat, Raw, SmackDown. You know what the single highest segment ever was? Over 11, almost 12 million viewers for the second. You know what it was? You get to share credit in this. It was the match between The Undertaker and Stone Cold. And I, it was the summer of 99 when Undertaker put the title up for grabs before pay-per-view and Stone Cold beat him. Now, granted, Stone Cold wound the match and everything, and they were part of the segment. But if it was just about Stone Cold, just about his popularity, he's the biggest draw, it could have been with anybody. Why was it when he fought um, the rivalry 
um, with Mick Foley. Why wasn't it when he fought um, Kane um, the night after King of the Ring and won the belt back? Why wasn't it with um, The Rock or any of these other characters? It happened to be with the guy who's right there, who's at the, the upper echelon, and he makes everything better. It happened to be The Undertaker. And to put in perspective how big that is, having almost 12 million viewers was rivaling, at the time, Monday Night Football, which wrestling doesn't come close to doing now. And on top of that, the highest or the average, you could say, that uh, WWF gets now, or WWE, whatever, gets now, is about raw kind of caps at about 2 million. So you're talking about almost six times the viewership for the last match of the night. People staying up to watch this before they go to work, you name it. Kids that, you know, might have been young like us. Yeah, it's summertime. We might have summer camp in this one, but we're sneaking up and we're going to go watch this match. It's, it could have been with anybody. It's not a coincidence. It happened to be with the phenom. <laughs> Right. Two greats bought in the most pay-per-view ever because they're two greats. Uh, it wasn't even pay-per-view. I agree with the fact, right? Monday Night say, Stone Cold and Undertaker, yeah, bought the pay-per-view that them together bought the most together. Right? Yeah, but what I'm saying is it doesn't even but, have to be a pay-per-view. It could be a Monday night segment. Who Taker was the champion at the time, so he's still the top guy in the industry, at least from holding that belt. And yes, yeah, Stone Cold, they wanted to see that match. But guess what? You get to see a pay-per-view caliber match before pay-per-view. And again, it was the other guy that mattered just as much as Stone Cold. Because if it was all about Stone Cold, it could have been him versus Right, but Ball. Undertaker don't bring in those numbers without Stone Cold on that match. If Yeah, but if you take any other wrestler besides that, you put Undertaker and some other wrestler, they don't bring in the same, they don't bring in the same. Wait, wait, so you're, you're telling me, you're reviews. telling me. But you take Austin and you put him in there. Let's use the same scenario. And now, let's, and, yeah, let's use the same scenario. It's a title match. Because you remember, this isn't just a regular match. This is a title match. You're telling me Monday, because it doesn't, it happens rare. You don't get a lot of title matches on, you know, uh, a weekly program. You're telling me a title match. We'll just make up a year. Say it's, you know, it's Undertaker is the champ. Right. 99, 2000, it's whatever. He has a title match with The Rock. And they already are mid-rivalry, and they have an up-and-coming pay-per-view match. You're telling me Rock can't do those numbers with Taker? Of course he could. A pay, uh, you're talking Maybe. about pay-per-view match with the belt on the line, and you're telling me Rock wouldn't be able to do that draw? Of course he could. It just he could do numbers, but... It, but you're talking about that match. The Rock was up and coming. He wasn't the guy yet. So I don't. The Rock was up and coming. Wait, wait. The Rock was up and coming in 1999. The Rock was up and coming in 1999 with the Undertaker. 2000. That does those numbers. Wait a second. How's a guy up and coming after he already had two title runs and multiple classic matches and rivals? You're I mean, that, me this is, in the summer. Wait, wait. You're telling me in the summer of 1999, The Rock is up and coming? Are you crazy? He was a full fledged superstar. You know how many people in the hood was wearing them silk shirts? Yeah, okay, right. But right, The Rock is also the guy we in this conversation. Your ability to boost Stone Cold up is blinding your judgment, bro. The Rock was a bona fide superstar in '99. He wasn't up and coming. He already had. But that goes Stone either Cold way. The Rock, yeah. right. If we have a conversation, you could still argue. You could still argue both. Could you not? Right. If we, if I took, you, we've had another person here arguing The Rock 
and The Undertaker, it's almost in the same level of argument because it's still greatness. I think The Rock, right. you put The Rock in that, it's it's almost put as for like draws, Stone Cold S-tier, Undertaker's S-tier, The Rock's S-tier. Right? So you can't put an S-tier with S-tier because draws are going to, most top S-tiers are going to draw the, the same numbers. But if you were to put Triple H and The Undertaker, I guarantee it doesn't do the draws that Stone Cold or The Rock would do. It might, it might not, but I can tell you this. WrestleMania 17 is widely regarded as the best WrestleMania start to finish. I would agree. I would have to say there's a couple in the discussion, but that's clearly up there. Undertaker and Triple H might not have been the most popular, might not have been the sexy name in the, in the main event and all that. That was a hell of a better match than than the, the Rock and Stone Cold. Because all only, First of all, Stone Cold only got four moves. So after he does his four moves, the Rock up the stunner, all he did was kept beating him with the chair, then he just did a random pin, and that was kind of shitty. That's how we cap off of WrestleMania, really? Yeah, Undertaker and Triple H matches were definitely better. And here's the other thing. You want to talk about classic matches, Stone Cold does not have a bunch of matches in the top 15. We can definitely say that about Undertaker, and a lot of those came post-crime. What he did, the, uh, the career versus the streak, HBK, classic. Those dudes were in their 40s. Then you get the back-to-back WrestleManias with Triple H, the same thing. The streak was on the line, no holes, bars. He was giving you all-time great matches, winning slammies, winning other uh, critically acclaimed awards past his prime. So what are we talking about? What greatness. But these are these are things you can look up. You can right, but as far as you. You're not you're not putting part of the entertainment entertainment fact that goes into the part of wrestling too. I think I think that's you're you're not giving that the credibility that well, it so, gives because so, no, 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 is, no 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 I'm giving it full credit. I'm giving it full credit. This is the thing. So and and you talked about Stone Cold storylines and different things. Let's be truthful, right? The best storyline ever in pro wrestling <sighs> history was the build up and the character of Kane. The fact that people to this day still think they're actually blood brothers. You know that people for a it's long time the people did not know that they were not actually. It's the biggest lie, open lie in history that people willingly accept because why? It's the best storyline ever. You have this fun fact people don't know. Undertaker's original character name was Kane the Undertaker. When you see him in his first couple matches, they say that, which is where that whole thing came from. They used the spinoff, but the idea that Paul Bearer turns on him, your brother's still alive. Then he's saying you're lying. Then you find out his brother is alive. Then Paul Bearer supposedly is the father of the younger brother. And Taker's mom was cheating on his dad. And then Kane, you know, he lights their graveyard on fire. Then Undertaker and Kane, you think they're, you know, seeing eye to eye. Then he interferes in Undertaker's match at Royal Rumble, costing him the title. We forgot about an iconic moment, too. When he gets locked in a casket, this gets sets on fire. Then you think he's done forever. Then you get that lightning strike on a random Monday Night Raw months later, and he comes out of the casket and says, I'm going to do what I never said I was going to do. I'm going to fight you. And the first fight is WrestleMania. Are you kidding me? That is hands down the best storyline. Stone Cold has nothing that matches that storyline. Vince McMahon stuff included. Because the Vince McMahon stuff is a rivalry. That's not a storyline. There's a difference. You want to use storyline, you could talk about the rivalry building up to WrestleMania or something. But as a story that was so believable, he thought these people were actually blood-related corn. Nothing comes close to that. Are you kidding me? Stone Cold can't match that with any storyline he's ever had. He was actually married to Deborah, 
And I mean, as much an eye candy as he was, he the relationship didn't work and he couldn't even use that to his advantage and make her a great manager. Look what she did for corny ass Jeff Garrett. And um, when, uh, when he was the guy with the guitar and then he eventually became a tag team with own heart, he couldn't even use Deborah to his advantage as a manager and stuff. And we're, we're saying he has a better storyline. No, he doesn't. Right. But to my point, right. So in the, as far as storylines, Stone Cold, was probably one of the only guys in the company that could go to Vince. It, to go to Vince. And that whole, and we can also say that whole Vince, the whole the Vince rivalry storyline that go with that, like the owner of the company, right? If you know anything about Vince McMahon, his father didn't want him to wrestle. So given the chance the, with the whole Stone Cold and the boss thing, it was like, one of the the greatest rises in, in wrestling in the story, and one of the sorry, one of, one of the greatest storylines in wrestling. The whole beef with the boss, and all those things with Vince McMahon. Like yeah, like yeah, the Kane story was crazy, right? It was crazy, but like the rivalry with the storyline, the rivalry, the rivalry was way better than Kane and, and Undertaker's. Even though it was the boss, you could say someone was corny, but it sold. It's All right, so I'm, like, I'm, 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 I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you a question. We're going to see if you're telling the truth or you're lying. All right. We're going to bring up three things, right? Undertaker's debut with that classic moment. His debut with Survivor Series. Rocky, with us. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't hear what you said. Was Undertaker's debut a classic moment? Survivor Series, he's the mystery partner. Was that a classic moment? Yes or no? The debut. Yeah. Was Kane's debut ripping the door off the hinges in the Hell in a Cell? You get the little fire thing we seen for the first time, and then he tombs on Undertaker. That was his debut. Was that a classic moment or a classic debut? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Now, do you remember when Stone Cold made his debut, he was under the same management, or at least from the storyline perspective, of Ted DiBiase. Was his was Stone Cold's WWF debut a classic debut as well? Uh, I wouldn't say classic. You wouldn't say classic. So notice this. The two guys that I just mentioned are basically one in the same because the spinoff of the storyline comes from the main guy, which is him right there, the Taker. And we clearly see that there's two iconic debuts, so much that Vince McMahon himself trusted them on one of his four major pay-per-views. And this guy that you're saying just does everything right, can't miss, doesn't even have a classic debut with the same manager that Undertaker came in on. How is that? What? The debut, listen, when you're comparing the debut to the Vince storyline and things of like people thinking things are real, right? Because remember, like you said, we believe that Undertaker and Kane were brothers, right? That that was the storyline sold to us. You know the hardcore Stone Cold fans and the, the real crazy fans, right? Vince had to get security for four months because people believed that Stone Cold wanted to fuck up McMahon. That drove 
fucking regular Joes that when they see McMahon, they want to fuck him up too. That's real thing that happened from that storyline. That alone, those points right there, and just the, the fact and belief in things that are real, that's iconic. It's crazy. I'm sorry, that's not quite as iconic as uh, secure, secure, I mean, security is needed for a bunch of different things, but security being needed is nowhere near comparable to somebody thinking their actual blood. So, so this is the thing. People thought that they were blood relatives. And what people forget is Kane's real name is Glenn Jacobs. Glenn Jacobs was in WWF for a while before Kane, about a couple of years. He was the fake diesel who was another superstar, and that was the spinoff character. I wonder why that didn't work as good as pairing with Undertaker. Maybe because Undertaker's the GOAT. And, and, you know, you can't just, you know, expect the highest level of execution just alongside anybody. Anyway, Kane's fake diesel, that was short-lived, right? Uh, remember when Jerry the King Lawler had this mad Dennis guy, Isaac Yankum? That was Kane, too. That gimmick didn't work long. There was like this Christmas monster thing that was a thing for like a year or something. That didn't work either. And this was all Glenn Jacobs' characters. So somehow, when you put them alongside the real folk and both things start to happen. When they first did him uh, as a character mock-up and, and it was starting to build the storyline, they didn't think he was going to be long-term because they're like, you have to live up to the standard of The Undertaker. This was almost impossible because you have to be able to execute in-ring and do stuff continuously. And now if we build you into a solo character, can you live up to it? Undertaker definitely guided him behind the scenes and backstage. But because Glenn was such a great wrestler, he was freakishly strong, too. I think, you know, you could talk about guys like Mark Henry, Big Show, even like John Cena and Brock Lesnar. Kane doesn't get enough credit about how actually strong he is. Um, because it's fun fact with him, Brock Lesnar was real cocky and he liked to have arm wrestling matches, um, you know, backstage. They would put money or beer on the line and stuff like that. And the person not only did he could not beat, he didn't even move his arm was Kane. So Kane doesn't get talked about enough with his strength. But the point is, when you have somebody that sets the standard so high, they didn't even anticipate that Kane can be as good as he was because the standard of being a part of the Undertaker storyline, and then obviously you want to have some awesome in frame. It's hard to it's hard to live up to. But to Kane's credit, he did a great job. Obviously, copying his signature moves like the Tombstone, the Choke Slam. You know, he did his own version of the Flying Clothesline. These are all things that we can do from a guy who's the best. Because when you're the best, that means there's no upgrade. We can pull from it. We can add a little this, add a little that there. But we know we're going to get top-end results. That's not the case consistently with Stone Cold. It's only in bits and pieces of his character and story. See, you only mentioned, you could only, you only mentioned Kane, right? With, with the, with no, the I can't, but I was right? waiting for you. Go ahead, go ahead and open up this can of worms. Go ahead. Right, and I'm saying you refer to Kane a lot. I just want to go a couple. I want to go a couple points before I get to what, what I'm saying. Right, because I understand that you're saying the Undertaker made Kane greater, but you can also say in, in an aspect, right? Undertaker was already great, but having Kane drove up Undertaker a little bit. Would, would you agree there? Hell no. Where, where, where are you going with that? I don't see that. What, what I'm trying to say is like, what I'm trying to say is like, okay, the rest is the entertainment side. Right, the entertainment side of the wrestling. Would you say, right, 
that Kane storyline, that the whole storyline, couldn't could you not say that it jumped? People started, you know, more interested. So you you like the Undertaker, right? So it made both of them greater, right? You can say the same thing, Rock and Stone Cold. They're iconic together, right? One made each other greater. They both elevated uh, from each other. Hypothetically speaking, right? So Kane emerged in 97, and they built that story line up almost to the end of 90. You got to get a year and a half before they make a two-year run of doing something, right? So if we, before Kane even came into the picture, in 97, Undertaker had won the belt at WrestleMania. He already was a legend and stuff. So what exactly was Kane going to do to take him to his next level where he already wasn't at? If we extract Kane out of the WWE, he's never a character. He's never a thing. Undertaker still has the streak. He still has the early part of his career. You still have the attitude error. What exactly did Kane do to elevate his career? It was a great and I think the best storyline ever. But if we take that away from Undertaker, we're not going to sit back and say, you know what? He's not arguably the GOAT. I think he's the GOAT, but... You're not going to say he's not arguably the GOAT. He's not Mount Rushmore. We really needed that Kane storyline, I think, to build him up. His character was getting stale. Undertaker was always ahead of the curve. His evolution and his ability to stay relatable but also stay in character is unmatched. He could do it any which way you need to. He could change his facial. He could shave his, his beard and, and dye it and grow it longer. He could go back to the redhead. He could have the five o'clock shadow. He could have the braid and put the bandana on. He could shave it and have it low. He could do the mohawk. He could change his ring attire. He could change his pre-ring Titan Tron stuff. Whatever you need him to do, he could do. Matter of fact, even look at his music and the attitude ever when they started to make it a little bit more um, like kind of like rock and roll and stuff. They elevated and changed his music so it wasn't just that classic stuff and it still sounded good. Once Stone Cold changed from that classic glass brick and that theme song, it lost its appeal. You, you, he had no evolution even in his theme music. Once you changed it and tried to make it, you know, a little bit more up-tempo and rock and then now you have, um, you know, some words as far as lyrics and stuff, it didn't have the same appeal. Undertaker completely, he, he changed his thing with his Ministry of Darkness thing and still kept that music. Then he went to have the thing keep rolling Right, the, the Kid Rock thing, and he comes down on the motorcycle that work. Then he has the, you know, it's my yard, dead man walking that thing. He does that. Everything he did didn't miss. Right. Uh, your your point that it didn't miss, but the Stone Cold bit didn't miss either, and. Still, arguably, arguably one of the best. That's a, the, because he didn't make many. What works for you in wrestling? What works for you in wrestling? I'm, I'm gonna give it to you like this: Stone Cold's run and his whole look and everything is a classic example of don't fix it if it ain't broke. Because they tried to fix it and then they broke the whole thing. Just as soon as he did that bad heel turn, just like the glass shatters and he comes out. That was the glass shattering on his career. You kind of pulled the rug from underneath him. It was no way to go back to what it was beforehand. Because when you see him shaking hands with Vince McMahon, looks like he's turning his back on WWF to team up with the Alliance or whatever that thing was. It, it lost its appeal. The fact that he, his health was is not as good and you didn't see him as ring as much, it kind of added to the mystique because it was almost in a sense like bring it back in at 316 when he yeah, originally got hurt. Change so happens to dying characters. 
what I'm saying is when he every, let me let me let me be a little bit more clear so you can see clear examples of what I'm saying. Every time Stone Cold effectively tried to go away from what made him popular, it didn't work. Right, Undertaker, like I said, he could change his costume. He had to do it multiple times. Everything he did worked. Change Stone happens Cold, in Care. But wait, let me finish. Stone Cold admitted it himself. He tr- listen to his podcast if you didn't listen to this one. He talked about how he got bored with the same black tights and this and that. So he tried to change, you know, he still need to wear his knee brace. Remember when he tried to put that ugly ass snake skin or he tried to put the red on and stuff? You couldn't even change a color in one part of his ring attire without it losing its appeal. He said he knew it didn't work. It's funky. He tried different things. He went away from it quickly. It never worked. He didn't before when he was in WCW. He was clean shaven. He had the long hair. That didn't work. So when he got to WWF and something finally right, worked, he stuck with the because he nothing was stuck like, with the gimmick and like the look that worked. For him. The, he had no character evolution. And it was the and it was one of the and it was the biggest look of all time. Because as soon as you change it, that was not the biggest look of all time. And not only is it not the biggest look, matter of fact, it was the, uh, one of the wrestling publishing magazines. The year he did that heel turn in, in 01, he got voted as one of the most hated wrestlers, and people hated that. My point is this yes, if it's not broke, don't try to fix it. But anytime, forget trying to fix it, just adding a little tweak, doing this, doing that. As like I said, it's like you completely pulled the rug from under his character and you could go from zero to 100. You were the favorite uh, baby face and the most popular thing in the business. So you can't even do one effective storyline heel turn. And now the whole uh, allure of your character is completely zapped. We speed up the music in your song and change the, the uh, a little bit, uh, add the in- change the instruments a little bit. Now your theme song doesn't have the same appeal, and now we have to depend on the, just the glass shattering and stuff. What I'm saying is this. is great, and, and this is the thing. With all of that being said, if I'm putting a list together, I'm probably still going to have Stone Cold as number two because that, like you said, that iconic uh, peak, it, 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 was, it was something to behold. You, you truly had to be there. But we're not saying that just because it was effective, it was essentially the best thing. Like we, we, we brought up the music comparisons earlier. Somebody sells the most uh, records the first week or just has a more popular album. Does that mean that even if it is a classic, it's better than something else that didn't sell the most? Of course not. Because that would be a ridiculous argument. It's a ridiculous argument if it, but like, see, this is where it's, it's hard because wrestling is, is entertainment, right? Everything's entertainment. But when you sell the most and you are one of the best, it's hard to argue. Okay, so let me ask you this because I'm going to stick with the music example, right? Because we all know for a fact. There's sometimes the Grammys get it right and some things are just undeniable, some songs, some projects, whatever the case may be. But wouldn't you agree that the Grammys, a lot of the time, the reason why they award the wrong artist or the wrong record is because it's more based on popularity than it is on quality? Could we at least agree on that? Well, I don't know if you agree or not, right? I don't know if you're there. But anyway, so what I'm going to say is this. Most of the time, 
the Grammys gets it wrong. And because they get it wrong, they perpetually get it wrong because they go to attempt to award people that maybe they, they robbed in the past. And in case and you doing that, now you're robbing somebody in the present. So with all of this six-year dominance that Stone Cold had, he's the most popular thing since sliced bread. Everything he does is so golden and can't be touched. Fun fact that people overlook and forget about, the WWF has their own version of the Grammys called the Slammies, right? So if Stone Cold's the most popular thing, wouldn't you think he would run away with these awards? You know how many Slammies Stone Cold's have? Because we could talk about he doesn't have the longest career, but he had this dominant run. He's got two. one Not one, but two. He's got two Slammies. And as popular as he was, because the thing, in all fairness to him, the Slammies were not every single year, but he, they happened frequently enough that if he was that guy, he would have had more than two. He got two throughout his career. He has one as an active wrestler. The second one he got was from the, uh, the uh, Broken Skull Session podcast, right? So he got one during his peak. He got one afterwards from a podcast. Damn. Ooh. He got smacked down there, bro. What's going on? We'll give him a second to come back. It would have him pull, pull to me. Yeah, you probably kicked him out because uh, you don't want to hear him anymore. <laughs> Damn, why are you doing like that? He's no, I'm wrong, all for it. <laughs> We're going to give him a chance to come back in here. Well, I think it's a good argument. He had me on the ropes. I think I had him on the ropes. I'm waiting to bring back my next point. Hey, here we up. go. He's back up. Okay, technical difficulty, but we back at it. Such a powerful argument. Kicking us out the chat room. We'll finish it off. Um. All right, right. So here's my right. So it, it comes down to this because you know, no matter what sports or entertainment, it always comes down to Michael Jordan, right? We call Michael Jordan a GOAT because of that run from 92 to 98. So, don't do that. Here's the thing. Since you're going to use that argument, I brought up this news, right? It cut me off because it wouldn't be... LeBron Jordan, right? All right, here's the thing. Because all your own also, Austin also he's a six time W he's a six time world champion. Okay. Undertaker six, has won just six time WWE World Champion, three time World Rumble winner. Nobody else got that. You know what I mean? Well, wait, wait. Why don't we address the rich? He only technically he only technically won twice because the 1997 Royal Rumble he actually got eliminated. Snuck back in and the ref didn't see it, so they had an elimination with the final four, which is why Undertaker won and he headlined WrestleMania and he won the belt 97. So this is what happened when you try to use Google, but I don't know how it worked. Brown been a ten champion. Brown been a ten championships. As he didn't actually win in 97 Royal Rumble, so don't count that. Okay, but guess what? 
because it cut me off when I was about to make the point. Because they wanted to give you a little bit of a chance. Stone Cold, for all his popularity, for all his championships, right? He got two slammies, right? So this is the Vince McMahon, other peers, vote on this stuff, right? They have input, right? He's the best thing since sliced bread. He gets one while he's active. He gets one for his podcast later. Undertaker is tied with HBK. You know how Entertainment. He, he has the most ever. He has the most ever. It's not one. It damn sure ain't two. It's not even five. He's got 15. What are we talking about? He's got 15 compared to two. He's brought up championships, right? Explain that, right? No, I remember. He got thrown out. Actually beat, when you actually right, go with this. Your own argument like, is if, we, I, if, I, if I cheat to win, if I cheat, no, if I cheat to win, if I cheat to win, no fans care about no slammies. Yeah, but guess what? When it was time to lace up the boots and go do the thing, did did did, Wait, did, no, did Stone Cold get his title shot at WrestleMania 13? Since he won the Royal Rumble, why wasn't he at the main event of Royal uh, of WrestleMania 13? Since he won the Royal Rumble, like, you bring up something. I'm saying Austin is a six-time champion, right? Undertaker's a four-time uh, four-time champion, a three-time heavyweight champion. So that means he has seven. It's not his fault they switched the names of the belt. And guess what? Undertaker was so great. He was bigger than being but, the champion. From explain, but would you say the same? Wait, wait, right? From ninety two, from ninety two, you got to explain. You got to explain to me the year. Yes, no belt. Still heavyweight. Wait, what happened? Award. Wait, but that's not it. Let's not bring up the zero wrestler of the year awards. Okay, you think I don't know about that? All the wrestler of the year. So let me. So, ask so you're you bringing up the wrestler of the year. Here's the here's the difference though. You're bringing up wrestler of the year, and yes, Stone Cold has had that many times. We're not discounting that, but here's the deal with that: those are a bunch of critically acclaimed people across different companies and stuff. We're talking about quick. When you agree, WWF, especially in the '90s, as good as Goldberg and everybody else was, thing WWF was clearly better than WCW and ECW. Will we at least agree on that? We could do the probably say that Monday night wrestling between the nine the nineties was probably the best thing on television. It was, and it was rivaling Monday night football. But what I'm saying is, if you had you like, say at the end of the day, if, like what the, if there's probably a goal, the best thing on television, television itself was probably the pro wrestling though. Just speaking of pro wrestling, if we say there's a gold winner, there's a silver winner, and there's a bronze. WWF is gold, WCW is silver, ECW is bronze. Would we at least agree on that? In the 90s? Yeah. Okay, so if WWF is the gold standard, why do we need to look at outside uh, figures and people across all other spectrums when we have the gold standard right in front of us? Stone Cold won all these wrestlers of the years and stuff when they're looking at the impact because WWF is on the top and they boosted him at the top those time and he was popular, no doubt. Again, within the own company, he's not the, the most respected guy in the locker room. He's not trusted to be the judge of wrestlers court. And on top of that, when it comes to their version of the Grammys, which all of them within the company, which is the best company in the gold standard, has the ability to vote for multiple things. He has one award in his entire wrestling career. The second one he got was post-career. 
How do you explain that? Everybody else recognizes Oof. his popularity and stuff, but the people right next to him, the people in the matches don't see it the same way. How is that? Because you're not you're 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 basing it on inside <laughs> company. I like yeah, but guess and what? Not on the whole Regardless, perspective can, of wrestling, because it's the right. matter of the day. If you want to go by that, because I was waiting for you to bring this up, I didn't know if you would be ready for to go this deep in the rabbit hole. But if we want to go there, how many times did Stone Cold win match of the year? He won it like one time against Bret Hart at that WrestleMania, and he lost. Undertaker got that like five times. You said he got uh, some of the best 15, 20 matches in history, right? Well, other people don't see it that way. And the same publication you're talking about had the ability to vote on that, and they did not do that. So why is that for your goal? All public opinion. Everything's everybody. Everybody got an opinion on something, right? It all. all and everybody agrees that, that their opinion. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying, you brought it up. I'm just saying, but you brought it up. Even though you're the most popular guy in the business, right? Even though you were headlining main events with The Rock, how does he not have at least one match of the year with The Rock at WrestleMania? That should tell you something. That's a good point there, yo. So. You guys have been going back and forth here, been dominating it. We're going on like an hour and a half of a debate here. I think if uh, you guys got any points left, I mean, you better throw them out now. So, uh, all right, so get to it. My, uh, it is I'll go first, I, my, my last point. I think is we've covered about ninety. I think we've covered about ninety percent. This is what I was getting ready to say. Because we did cover a lot, but I wanted to get into this. Because you brought up some of the rivalries, the classic matches and stuff. Let's be clear. This isn't due to longevity. Because I don't need this. Like, because you got to remember something. Longevity and stuff is cool, but let's be honest. Undertaker was depended upon to continue to bring um, interest to the Monday Night Raws, to the SmackDowns, and some of the WrestleManias, which is why he was continuously brought back. But that wasn't his prime. So really, if we're counting anything past 2005, it's a waste of time other than the WrestleMania where he gave us those matches of the year. But he, but if we're just going with, say, the first 15 years of his, his, his Hall of Fame career, and we say 90 to 05, I don't need to use later than that. He has better rivalries and more of them than Stone Cold early in his career. You got Hogan. You got Ultimate Warrior with the body back. You got Bret Hart. Then in the middle of his prime, you obviously have Kane, you have HBK, you do have Stone Cold, you have The Rock, you have Triple H. We don't, we don't even, I forgot somebody, Yokozuna, somebody like that. Like that, that was one of the, um, another award that he won with, um, I think it was the Battle of the Year or something of the Year rivalry, or whatever, with Yokozuna. He continuously brings it at the top <laughs> level. Let's be honest, Stone Cold's classic rivalries. Yes, with Vince, half of that's not even in the ring. That's just you hate your balls. <laughs> and The Rock, where are his other classic rivalries that we can put on the level of what Undertaker is? Man, another one that I forgot. Classic rivalry. Stone Cold's classic rivalry with DX? You can say it's a classic rivalry, it. him against the whole DX. I know you can I know you didn't just say that. Is that is that not Stone part of the rivalry? rivalry no, that's one of the main. It's also one of his main rivalries. You can see him in the DX. The closest you had to that. You can't say that's not one of the rivalries. Fourteen. 
You can't say that's, the, so you can't say that's not one of his rivalries, then. We, classic rivalry. One subpar main event match with, with, with Shawn Michaels where he didn't even want to give him the belt is what you're bringing up on the level of Rock and Austin. You can't be serious right now. You asked rivalries, right? The Where the matches? Was a whole rivalry. Point. Rivalry. Wait, wait. Rivalries have yeah, more than one match. Bring, that's all those. That's the reason you go wait, back to entertainment. Where is Jamie? Payment. Wait, wait. You said, you, you, said, you said earlier he had three classic matches with the Rocks, and that was a trilogy. All right, cool. I'll spare you one. I'll just it, give you two. Where's the two classic matches with DS members during that time, during this rivalry you're talking about? When did that happen? In the. Bring it up, man. I'll give you one. Over to the WWE. Where's the other one? Hmm? I didn't say matches. You can't. They didn't exist. That's my point. So how's it a rivalry? Just because they didn't You cannot have them. a match with Vince McMahon and it can be considered a rivalry. Because it was. So you're telling me just because it he has a rivalry with Vince McMahon, now a rivalry is all out of get One segment? What? It's a memorable segment, though. People remember Stone Cold. You're telling me people don't remember. You're telling me people don't remember Stone Cold and, and the DX rivalry. That's what you must have been saying, real young, and you must have, your mind must have thought it was bigger than what it was. Because there's no way anybody, if you say name Stone Cold's top three rivalries through his career, they're going to say DX. They're not going to say that. People remember. And and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure people all from people who watched the wrestling in the '90s remember Stone Cold the DX and that and that time period. I was in that time period. Matter of fact, shout out to my boy Mike Pearson because he can attest to this. This is a true story. Because when he commented on Stoop, like he said, he thought I'd be taking the side of Stone Cold. But this is a true story. Mike can tell you. I'm not making this up. Back in it was this was like between '98, '99, so he's probably like fourth or fifth grade. Mike was a part of a crew we had because we was all into wrestling. We actually had a wrestling gig on the playground where people would pay us in like money or pretzels. And there was this tree at the top of the playground. That was our fake Undertaker symbol. And we had our, when he had his Ministry of Darkness, we had our ministry on the playground. And Mike was a part of it and a bunch of me and my other people. We couldn't have did that with Stone because he had no such thing. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because when you're talking about these classic iconic moments and stuff like that, even something like that. Where he's helping to bring up other superstars. He has this thing. How come Undertaker can be partnered with Vince McMahon? Remember the real rivalry that happened with the corporation and the Ministry of Darkness? And then they combined and they came to corporate ministry. And Undertaker was already a heel and he combined. How come he can join forces with Vince McMahon? It's a great storyline and it works and it's just, but Stone Cold did it after this was already a proven concept that can work and he flopped. How is that? Because he was on his way out. Because he was on the he was so on the he's on his way out and he didn't work. He's on his way out and then his outro. That's not Jordan. That's that's not forty something points in in the game winning shot in Utah. That's Jordan on the Wizards. People, that's your outro. <laughs> and hold on, yeah, I that's like I like that. Outro? I like that to bring up the Jordan on the Wizards, right? People discredit Jordan on the Wizard, but he's still making the playoffs. On the, uh, but he's still balling on the Wizard. He didn't whoa, put whoa, Jordan whoa, numbers whoa, whoa, up. Whoa, whoa. But he's still. 
Jordan on the Wizards brand outro is Stone Cold's equivalent, and this is this is personifying greatness. He wasn't Jordan in the nineties, but he was still he was still a top Matt, five shooter at that time. We actually did. My fault, my fault, my bad, my bad. He didn't play shooting like play small four, but then again, I don't think you remember 2001 because you also said that that uh, epic ECW thing was epic and it wasn't. But that's a whole other thing. But what I'm going to say is this. At the end of the day, I hear all your points. I'm going to say that. I couldn't say if there was a pause. Right now, you're, you're speaking with bias. You're not, you're, not, you're not hearing how you sound. So, no. This bottom line, no. At the end of the day, we're actually somewhat disrespecting Jordan by comparing Stone Cold's in his career to Jordan because at least he was still put up 20 a game. That WrestleMania match Stone Cold just did was very mid. That was not a classic match, and I know he hasn't done it in so many years, but the stunner looked flat. The match wasn't worth It was all popularity and drinking beer and stuff, but we've seen all-time great classic matches out of The Undertaker. So even to compare the last bit of Stone Cold to Jordan's Wizards is actually a little bit disrespectful to Jordan's Wizards, even though he couldn't, that team couldn't be elevated to playoff level when you could be a below 500 team. So that's actually still disrespectful. So we, we shouldn't even make that comparison. <laughs> uh, well, this has been great, fellas. <laughs> Closing argument time. Closing argument time. Well, let, Rock, you go first. I'll go. It said, and um, all answers we got to remember about uh, Stone Cold was Stone Cold. The name says it for himself. And when you bring up the wrestling part, might you could say he might not have been the greatest wrestler, but one of the greatest entertainments in wrestling in TV that you could probably ever see. All right, you good? Yeah, I'm. I'm keeping it short and sweet, right. man. We've been on this. We've been on this for two hours. I'll just say it like this: There are many legends. There's only one phenom. The phenom is the Undertaker. Whether you're talking in-ring performance, whether you're talking classic music, classic manager, Titantron, special matches, everything he did is top tier, which is why he's the goat. We don't have to. We don't have to lean on longevity. We don't have to depend on other people to carry the match. You put him in there. He's a superstar immediately. He helps build other superstars. His legacy is something that cannot and will not be matched. Or none. Damn, y'all say this, guys. Y'all, y'all did great. Both of you came with strong points. The one thing I do remember out of the whole thing is, Rock, when you were talking about Stone Cold. How everybody wanted to personify that. 100% true. And like Steve said, that's that's why a lot of people liked him a lot. And the funny part about it is we were 12, 13 years old. We wanted to slam beers and beat our boss up. We didn't have a boss. That was our parents. <laughs> you know. But we did personify that. Uh, and then on the other end, Steve, when you were talking about most memorable moments, two of the most memorable moments I remember are from Undertaker. And one of them was Mick Foley throwing <laughs> Mankind through the cage. 
which was unbelievable. And then the second one was actually. No, I'm scarred for. I'm, I can't even. If I think about that, I still get like, like this the tooth hanging in the nose, oh, man. It's unbelievable. It's it was crazy, and it was great. And it's crazy. You should kind of remember him for mankind doing it, but you remember everybody remembers who threw him through. And that match, it was unbelievable. But the second one is the mo- most important one that I think. Uh, the other day, I was talking to my mom about you guys doing this debate because obviously she let us watch it, you know, when we were kids. And she she hey, thought till this date, I said we're doing Undertaker versus Stone Cold, and she's like, obviously she knew who Stone Cold was because we used to stunner each other through the house. But she she said uh, Undertaker's right. the one that has that brother, right? And she thought they were brothers <laughs> till this date. So you're not lying about that point. People still believe that shit. And uh, people see Kane in movies and they think, oh, that's Undertaker's brother. So uh, great debate. Paul, I'll leave it to you. Hey, man. This was a breath of fresh air. First and foremost, not being able to talk about football, basketball, and debate that and just talk about our childhood, basically. This is our childhood we're speaking of. It's great. And, he, and both of them kicked the ass, man. Um, if I was an outsider looking in, I'm looking at it like this. If I didn't know shit about wrestling, you know, I always do this when, I, when I'm listening to these debates with you guys. When I, if I didn't know shit about wrestling, and Rocky's debate about Austin, he, yeah, he, he's the reg, like the regular guy aspect is pretty bad. But Taker, Taker, his ring presence was major. Like, and Steve brought that up. Like, that his ring, I, I forgot how big his ring presence was until I came on here and listened to it. Um, hell yeah. of a debate, man. Hell of a debate. I'm gonna say, like, the best thing about these about wrestling, you know, it is entertainment, and yeah. it's all opinionated. So this is great, man. This was a good one. I appreciate both of you guys for coming on here. Yo, is that a chalk line in the back of there? Is that a chalk line jacket? You already know. That's what I was. This was today's outfit. You know what I mean? I got my tanker <laughs> shirt on. We came ready. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yo, I love it. <laughs> uh, my I didn't want to say, man. I do want to say, uh, Steve, man, thank you for uh, debating me, man. That was a lot of fun. Listen, uh, man, Rock, great argument, man. Like I said, as much as I love boxing, and I'm, I'm not even as big a boxing fan as you, PJ, but I love boxing. That's something that I always would watch. My grandmother, my dad has OG, like original uh, magazines, and wrestling ones, too. I was more passionate about this debate. I see. I, I, I can see it. Yeah, he came in here like we're about to talk about this. I happen. feel like I know you always do your homework, but I think you really came in prepared, like like beyond for this well, one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something. I five. A lot of this wasn't even homework because one thing I always tell people, like all my young boys, like when we talk about music, and I was putting them on to like years like '98 with music, right, and different things. I experienced this, right? I always tell people you can do as much research as you want and it's, and it's close to the experience, but it's something to be said, but actually being there and living through the time because there's these are things that are like burnt in my memory. I remember certain things sneaking up to go in my older sister's room so I could watch wrestling because I didn't want to miss the last segment, right? Stuff like that. So I lived through this. So I'll be honest with you, some of it was like a little bit of homework just to, you know, Make yeah. sure I don't forget the points I want to bring up, but I lived this. I lived it and I experienced it. So I didn't have, I like, it's it. a lot of it's just memory. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, like, this was our childhood for a lot yeah. of us. Like, wrestling was our childhood. It was, it was first priority, even over football and boxing. Like, 
Wrestling and is life. Right. And that's why I was glad we we started talking about the pay-per-views and the ratings and stuff. Because yeah. even in Stone Cold, like I said, he's still my guy. But with people, it's hard to, to get these young people to imagine. Wrestling was so popular, WCW included. It was getting higher ratings and more viewership than Monday Night Football. And don't sneeze. We're talking about Dan Marino's in the league. Elway, Fars, Barry Sanders, the Cowboys were actually good. Just how long ago this was. And people didn't want to watch Barry Sanders and Emmett battle for the Russian title. They want to see Undertaker versus Stone Cold. They want to see Rock versus Mankind. Kane versus, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is how crazy it was. And you had to be there. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. You just had to be there for that. Yeah, it was great. But, yo, guys, thanks for coming on. As always, you guys did a hell of a job. We appreciate oh, yeah. you hopping on, man. And we'll have you back on soon. So, thanks. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you learned something here about debate or brought you back flashbacks of your childhood because I know it did me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, probably be choke slamming and pile driving and stunnering people all go, week. I might have go stunning my daughter. Do you still watch <laughs> – All right, fellas. You guys have a good night. <laughs> And tune in next week. Okay. All right. Have a good night. Tune in next week. Yeah.